Hello. Hello. Welcome to How to Stay Married So Far. I nearly said How to Confessions, Modern Parent, So Far. Or Welcome to Coffee Moaning. Welcome to Coffee. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes get lost in a fog of content. Um, so this is, yeah, I, I saw an article in the Times recently that I think itself was pegged to the uh, fact that Matt Hancock has split with his wife. Only a couple of days ago, Michael Gove is splitting from his wife. Sue Perkins is splitting from her wife. Uh, and Rylan is splitting from his husband. Um, so quite a few sort of high profile uh, separations, divorces, what have you, and all kind of marked by the fact, though I hasten to add, it's probably, it could well be coincidence. Uh, as we come out of lockdown, the unfurling of lockdown, it feels like there may be a sort of synchronicity there that uh, as people come out of lockdown, are they suddenly begin being able to suddenly act on something maybe they felt or discovered during lockdown about their relationship, i.e. time to move on, jog on, get out, or, you know, to put it more kindly, perhaps people just have seen it as an opportunity to finally change, you know, it's like the end of things is as much the beginning of new things too, isn't it? So it's a curious time we find ourselves at. So I thought it would be interesting to have a look at the eight reasons that this article in the Times gives for why people cheat and then to talk around it. What are your thoughts just as I ran, run through those various high profile divorces? Well, I don't know, because I don't know about anyone's private life, so I don't know. But I just think it's an indicator of probably what's going on across the country. Right. That people are, you know, coming out of the worst possible two years um, and people have been thrown together for far too long every day, day in, day out. You know, right. people that normally would go off to work in separate in, and have a very separate day mm. to, and, and maybe have very separate lives, separate social lives. Yeah. Um, very clear definition of what the roles are. Yeah. Like, I know that there's been a lot of rowing. It hasn't for us because, of course, our kids are homeschooled mm. on who's doing the cooking and who's doing the homeschooling and mm. who... And, you know, it's been, you know, women very much have had to go back to being the 50s housewife. Right. And uh, there's been a lot done on this, actually, that women's depression has increased massively because usually it's men over women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But through the pandemic and because that's, you know, not, not being able to work and, and having to go back to that really, the, the you know, what a lot of women would mm. describe as menial boring time. I have to say, the kitchen has become, and I love being in the kitchen, has become through the pandemic. Well, oh, we, my God. Can we clear it up one more time? Can we make one more sandwich? Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I mean, it, so is, I think, it is a working kitchen as well as a... Yes, no, no, I'm just talking I'm talking generally. Mm. So I think if... and, and I, So I think that people that aren't, you know, that haven't... That don't spend a lot of time at home, like we do. We work a lot from mm. home. I think people that worked at home anyway mm. will have found the pandemic easier with their relationship. Um, a lot of partners don't socialise ever together. doesn't mean they have... That's not... A, good thing you know that can be a way a relationship works but I think people have missed having that sort of social break outside mm. of their relationship and, well, phys and physical break I mean yeah. I think physical break too because although you're right you know a lot of work happens from home mm. uh, a lot of we work together a lot on we always have done over the years in, in telly and in, on social media what have you uh, writing a book whatever it is we've worked together quite a lot and yeah there's a norm to that but also there's the, you know, I, you know, we've missed for the last 18 months the ability to go on location, to go out, to shoot, to move, hmm. to just simply be anywhere other than in each other's spaces. And I mean, you know, if you use us as an example, we have got the kind of marriage where we've got an ongoing conversation. But a lot of yeah. people are managing their relationships 
without really having much conversation anymore, without ever really looking at mm. their partner, without... And so I think fissures that were there or great it's cracks... Word, isn't it? Or great cracks that yeah. were there will have definitely... Been magnified. Stre- yeah, been, been, been stressed. Mm. I mean, I was reading in that article. Did you read all the different people that have I, affairs? I, I, yeah, there, there are a number of... If you go and read it, there are a number of examples. I have to say, I felt the hand of someone almost perfectly constructing them. I'm not bringing the journalist into disrepute, but it it didn't... I thought this is a bit too perfect a contribution. Yeah, but I (laughs) suppose there are going to be those situations. You know, you're working from home, you're arguing the whole time about who homeschools the kids, who cooks the dinner, who it's the... Looking at each other, people not bothering anymore to dress up, to put a bit of makeup on, to shave, to do all those things that you would normally have to do because the outside world Mm. demands it of you. And I think people have just got on each other's tits. I was suddenly immediately checking. <laughs> people have just got on each other's tits, you know. Yeah. Um, we've been very lucky because we've had, we've basically been in a live TV situation every day because yes. of our YouTube channel. Yeah. So every day we've done our live show. So, you know, we've had to make an effort with what we're thinking about and mm. what we're talking about. And I've, worn, I've worn shirts on about <laughs> five occasions, actually. Yeah, and the way that we're thinking and we're looking. So, so we've been forced to do that. Mm. I think if we hadn't had the channel and therefore a real focus... I think we would have really struggled mm. because depression has has people who've never been depressed before have got to are, are, are struggling with depression as, as we've said multiple times through this pandemic the tsunami of mental health issues not only that you have children you know we've found it stressful with our girls you know worrying about them all the time that as we know can absolutely suck the oxygen out of a relationship mm. if you've got toddlers and babies and then you've got no relief I'm surprised the whole world isn't getting divorced. Yeah, quite. So you've got, this year, we've got all of that. But then, of course, also, running along that, you've got all the normal reasons why people would have an affair. Do you think there's, do you think there's a reason, though? I mean, I read somewhere that apparently there's a, there's a sense or a feeling or a belief that more men are having a midlife crisis brought about due to lockdown and everything that's gone on. Yeah, I mean, it's classic, oh, isn't it? Oh, um, why? Is that no, but is this why men are running time? off? Is this why men are running off? Is it that they want to change? Have have affairs or infidelities or why do people, reasons people <laughs> cheat, have they been curtailed by the simple fact that you can't go out, you can't meet, you can't, I mean, although obviously Matt Hancock did sort of find a no, way around the corner. Plenty of people have. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, there's been online stuff. There's, I mean, there's whole websites where you can... Have affairs. I know what you mean. In all those let in all mm. those letters, they did seem a bit too perfect. perfect. Sorry, guys. Sorry. My phone cut out. We tend not to cut storage. these. Storage. Yeah. Um. I mean, though, it just pains. Oh, men have found it more difficult. More men are having affairs. But to play devil's advocate, I suppose if there has been an emasculation going on, you know, a man that would Crikey. normally, you know. Um, define himself by the fact that he goes out, he earns some money, yeah, yeah, he yeah. does all of that. And then he's been slopping around in his joggers On all furlough. year, not going not going out with his mates. Not, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe yeah, I mean, a lot coming of people's... out, people are looking for a bit yeah. of excitement. Yeah. They're looking to feel like they want somebody to look at them in the way that they used to be looked at. Well, a lot at of people want status. Of... I mean, there's one case in here of an insurance salesman who talks about going to a sort of conference of sorts and then he opened his mouth. I mean, I thought... The, the piece was kind of funny and ironic about 
insurance, finding it exciting and inspiring. But he said how someone in the crowd found him inspiring and suddenly felt the centre of death. I mean, I think, but aren't these things that in a sense are, these, these are the defining features of relationships that sort of run aground anyway. The idea that you're not seen for what you were when you first met. Yeah. You're not, you're not, you know, what, what drew someone to someone because their articulacy and their this and that and the other. And that's just not even wanted or listened to or kind of respected anymore. Or it's the generosity of spirit. And, and so there are ways of finding all those things that you once found lovely. It's just, you get used to them. You get, you get, they're not, no longer original. They're no longer new. But presumably, I mean, maybe lockdown has just kind of microwaved all of that. And made it faster. Yeah, I mean, I do think a lot faster. of people, their relationship has improved because they've had to spend time to each yeah. other with each other and they've realised that, oh, Christ, you know, I'm married to this person, but how much time do I actually spend with them? Right. We've just become a box-ticking relationship. So there's definitely... I've read plenty of articles about that as well. But I think, you know, just to general... To come away from the pandemic, because I think the, the reasons are obvious why there would have been more likelihood of, of, of people's relationships struggling... But the eight reasons mm. are the is, is interesting, isn't it? Because those eight reasons would be with pandemic or without pandemic. Yes, you know, true. Boredom. Some people just are born to be unfaithful. Well, you know, there, there is are that. some people that I'm just pulling them up. That you know, it's a risk. It's risk taking, and risk taking is incredibly seductive. Yes. Um, you know, some people just have to be the centre of attention. Some people want their sex life to be exactly the same as it was when they first met, but some very immature people. Yes. You know, so all those reasons, and also there are the people that are just on a self-destruct, who yes. actually, when they feel like they're in a loving and meaningful relationship, want to try and destroy it because it freaks them out. And that's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we run through them, the eight, uh, and we'll you know see what you think, share what you think on each of these. Where, how do you think we've coped? I mean, I think we've actually done a because there's been such a long rolling end to, and is there going to be an end to COVID? I think around Christmas we did something about how COVID's impacted our marriage, but I feel we've kind of done all right. I mean, I don't feel like I've got well, yeah, but particularly for all the bored reasons, of you for all the reasons we spoke about at the beginning, which is this is. This is not that different from our no. relationship. No. We haven't had that terrible shock of no, homeschooling no. and working together and being at home all day. Mm. We've got a nice big house, so mm. you know, we've got a lovely garden, so we haven't had a lot of the pressures that a lot of yeah, people yeah, have. Yeah. You know, at the beginning we were certainly worried about money because we didn't know what was gonna happen and that I did add, add some mm. stress. Mm. Um so yeah, I think we've I mean I think it's been harder as we've come out. Mm. than when it was in because I think for you and I think for a lot of people who have social anxiety there was a relief it's somewhere keep, can I just take not a relief, I, I not need a relief. To, no but I need to pull you up on this because this is I haven't finished saying what I was going to no, say no 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 but I keep... no, hang on because a lot of people and we've spoke to a lot of people throughout the pandemic saying it's been really nice people having the same kind of anxiety mm. as we would and the same worry because people that live with anxiety it feels like you know, the whole of the rest of the world is having mm. this marvellous time and they're stuck with this anxiety and there was a comfort in that. Yeah. that. The whole world was in a similar spot. Yeah, that I would agree. I thought you were going to go on to say that there's a social anxiety as to not wanting to get out. I mean, I think there's a comfort in knowing what the limitations are. But I would, I would say that 
parking my bipolar crisis to one side and that must have been evolving and developing and growing and cultivating, if you like, over a, obviously a much longer period of time than when it kicked in about six weeks ago fully. Um, I would characterise myself as really looking forward to getting out, but not in a, not in a sort of a dash for freedom or a grab for kind of oxygen. It was like, fucking hell, no. You know, even with social anxiety as a component of all of the other bloody isms I seem to occupy, uh, you know, actually getting back out in the world and connecting and reconnecting and re-engaging and doing all those things was something that I was quite excited about. But you're right, yeah, for a while, there was that sort of camaraderie and that everyone was brought to the same place of fucking hell. Well, I think part uh, of why you're bipolar, shitty. I think part, part of why you had a major breakdown a few weeks ago, which you did, was because it was a lot that crushed in all at once. Obviously, like you say, this has been something of yours for a long time. But I think that you had, a, I think part of your breakdown was due to the massively quick change coming out of, out of lockdown. Mm, I don't know if I agree. Um, you, you, you don't? No, 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 I don't. Oh. No, not at all. What? what? No, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think that's a, another, a part, I think that's another conversation. No, I just, I, I think the timing was odd. I think it was far more to do with the fact that actually for the first time in lockdown, because it's been so stupidly busy and we have been doing live content and generating all sorts of content, mm -hmm. writing books, creating all sorts of, working with brands, doing all sorts of things, um, making films, blah, blah. I think it was the first moment, as we've talked about before, where I stopped. I think coming out of the pandemic for everybody has been very, very destabilising for a whole host of different reasons. Mm. And and I think, yeah, like somebody said the other day on one of our lives, didn't they, on YouTube, um, you're kind of like when you're in the the firefighting mode, you, which is what we've all been in, there's a whole lot of other stuff that's going on that you just, you don't almost have the time to think about or mm, look at. And I mm. think that that's probably what's happened for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's also trying to connect back to a, I think in a weird way, it's been so long that we've been in lockdown and in this crisis that we all have a slightly idealised image of what life was like before. It's become sort of romanticised. I can't like, remember. No, no. It's like before well, I had kids, I can't remember well, what no, it was like. Well, no, but it is this sort of idyll like. of, oh, being able to see that person, oh, being able to do that. And I thought what was quite funny about the first week when first restrictions were lifted was how many people sort of said, oh, well, I ran out for like every day of the mm. week. And then I kind of felt like I needed to be a hasty retreat because we weren't used to it. Well, you go so I think in relationships, yeah. similar, there are similar pressures. And anyway, but going back to these eight, reason, eight reasons people cheat. Do any of these resonate with you guys? Some of them resonate, resonated with me for sure. So number one is lack of emotional connection in the marriage. An affair is often the end point of feeling taken for granted, which is possible even if sex is still happening. No one wants to feel used. And this psychologist has noticed that women in particular tire of feeling like the waitress at the banquet of their husband's life. Uh, I, I feel that this was indicated by Michael Gove's wife uh, in an article, wasn't it? That, um, you know, this crisis has sort of removed the trappings and trimmings of the big I am man. And this is less about whether a man has been emasculated, but a man can feel emasculated because all the trimmings of his... Mm power or status and I think the challenge for a lot of men is that status unfortunately comes with money earning job being in charge of this many people being bossy and all that kind of stuff shouldn't be but it's it's case and it's not to mean that it's not to say that it's not like that for a lot of women too it is but when you remove and strip away all of the capacities to be able to sort of prove yourself in those ways mm. if you like uh 
you know, men, ironically, could, could well feel, or women in those powerful positions, could well feel uh, that they're being taken for granted too. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think on the level, on the, the thing of emotional connection, I think people just get really lazy and just take shortcuts and kind of don't really listen. So don't really listen to each other or are always ahead of the game, working out what somebody's actually said rather mm. than thinking what they've said than what they've actually said. And I think just, and this is a huge generalisation, but mostly women want to talk about their feelings and what the situation is more than men do. Men, yeah. men get very fearful often when a woman says, right, can we, can we just talk about this? <laughs> oh my God, what's going to happen? Mm. Is the sky going to fall in? So what happens is those building blocks start to come up in a relationship where people just, where more and more it's easy to just take shortcuts around the wall than actually find out. Mm. So I think, yeah, I mean, God, when I think of a lot of my friends, they... You know, they might like their partner, but the very little emotional connection, very little. It's weird, isn't it? I, I suppose I suppose this is where I need to sort of make a point and say I feel a, a level of gratitude that we have, you know, the kind of conversations that we do and that we talk about the kind of stuff that we talk about. I mean, I think even when you're in an open, emotionally engaged and interactive and communicating relationship, I think assumptions can still be made. And I think, you know, you can still be sort of pigeonholed in what it is you're feeling or what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think, I think can... everyone does that in relationships. I think it's just, it's just, it's just what's going to happen over a period mm. of time, isn't it? I mean, one of the things um, I noticed in all of the examples in this article was that most people have been married for between 15 and 20 years. Yeah. And we're at 19. So we're in the we're in the hot zone. We're in the heat area. We're in the Bermuda Triangle. So the second so one. So sheer boredom. Well, I think that. No, that, sorry. I the think, second one is the uh, sex drought. Well, I think all these tie in together. If, it drove if me you don't to have it. emotional connection, I would say all those just come off the back of them. If you don't have emotional connection, boys, listen, and you're wanting sex, forget it. They're not really going to want it with you because it can't become just about your penis. Because your penis on its own isn't enough. There's got to be an emotional connection. There's got to be someone attached to it. Well, not always. I mean, not always, I suppose. Well, there's got to be a sense of being cherished, cared for, loved, appreciated. Yeah. So it's an extension because, of an emotional connection. Huge generalisation, massive generalisation again. And obviously there's many women that can be like this too. But I think more men than women, in all the experience I have of talking to many, many women over my whole life, is that... Men can still have sex even if everything else on the cards is not going well. Whereas a woman, more massive generalisation, yeah. um, would want more of an emotional connection, would yeah. want their partner to, to um, you know, and it's not, boys, if you're getting confused, it's not all about, like, huge gestures and grand gestures. Sometimes it's just really, you know, coming in and loading the dishwasher. What, that's the turn on? <laughs> Well, just do. Hang on, I've just got to go and unload no, the dishwasher. To be supportive. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, if you think about it, mostly when when a woman like clears up or cooks or does any of that stuff, mostly their partner or their children wouldn't dream of saying thank you. I mean, they might be appreciative, yeah. but like if 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 a man or the kids were to clean up or to cook a meal. The woman would have to make a huge, oh, wow, this is amazing. Oh, thank you. And you've cleared up and you've had a... That's like, that. that is a continuous balance that way where mm. the woman ends up or the person, whoever that is, who's the one that's mostly doing the home stuff, yeah. starts to feel, 
oh my God, everybody expects this of me. Yeah. And nobody likes anything to be expected, do they? But sometimes there, so, are, there are situations though, surely in relationships, where the sex is non-existent for whatever reasons, okay? Let's not apportion even blame, but let's say we, we find ourselves six years down the line, we've had periods in our life where sex hasn't been in any way near where it's been prior to that. And if there's a sex drought and it runs and it runs and it runs, I mean, this psychologist is saying that the line he hears so often between couples is, you drove me to it. Now, I don't think anyone drives anyone to do anything. You can miss something. I don't think that someone not wanting to have sex causes you to be unfaithful. But I can see the conditions there for someone accidentally in, in, a, in a strikeout for affection, for intimacy, for, for, for belonging, because... I, I well, hear you're what you're, I hear what you're saying, is, but you're, not all The thing is, you're separating it again. I'm not. You're saying, so the thing is, you are, because you're saying, so yeah, I know all of that, but if somebody's not having sex. But, but sometimes people are not, not having sex for reasons not, other than the, the fact yeah, that they're not emotionally more connected. More often than not, it's because there's no emotional connection or interest in each other. But they might not have the language for that. Or interest in each other anymore. Right, yeah. Well, yeah. So, so, so you can't just have sex outside of emotional connection, interest in each other. And, and, you know, the third one, boredom, yeah. lack of intimacy. Too many people think intimacy is sex. Mm. It, there's all the intimacy that has to come before sex. You know, holding your partner's hair if they're throwing up, bringing them a paracetamol 10 times a day if they're not well, changing the sheets and puffing up their pillows. But maybe getting them their favourite chocolate bar. Maybe so just cleaning the dishwasher and carrying buckets for sick. That's that's. No, I mean these are the things no, that are intimacy are, yeah, yeah. within a relationship, and too many people miss the point. And I, then say, "Oh, they don't want sex anymore," and then get a bit annoyed and a bit moody about it, and then that's the disintegration of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Then you're on a road to nothing because then more. You know, um, distance becomes between those people, lack of even less mm. communication. So it's almost like this sex drought has to come right at the bottom of all these other lists because if all these other things aren't happening, the sex drought will come. Now, that's not to say that sometimes people just go off people. Well, I was going to say, because you could do all of those yeah. things, clean the dishwasher, hold their head when they're being sick, uh, you know, wipe the surfaces, do all of that stuff. And still, there's a sex drive. Yeah, sometimes people just go off sex, right. you know, for, for a whole load of someone. other reasons. And what I would say is, if you're somebody that really doesn't want sex anymore with your partner... Right. And um, that your partner still really loves sex, I would feel sorry for that partner. What if they... I thought you were about to say this, you should allow them to go and have sex elsewhere. It's not about allowing, but I don't think you can be too shocked and horrified if right. you haven't had sex with somebody that wants that loves sex and you haven't had sex with them for five years and they go off and have sex, right. which you hear about all the time. Right, okay. Um, you know, it's, so that it's, is kind of you drove me to it, no? Well, I think I sometimes people do drive people to go and have affairs. Not always, but I think sometimes people do because they'd be either because they've gone on completely different paths yeah. and there's nothing there for them anymore. That or goes because back they've treated somebody badly and but, but the person doesn't feel loved or looked after. But that goes back to that whole control. that goes back to that whole chicken and egg thing of is it really a relationship if there isn't a sexual contingent to it? So I suppose that, that flags up. Well One I think of... for many people they have an amazing relationship without yeah. having sex. I think again, it's all everything that we are saying is with the caveat that this is generalisation. Yeah, so yeah, 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 no, of course. Don't nobody comment below and go, 
I do think, because yeah. I'm always saying this is generalising. But just reading the sheer boredom, which is category number three, or the re third reason why people cheat. Women often cheat because they're bored, tired of waiting for their husband to engage. Men tell me they often become disengaged with their partners when their partners stop initiating sex. They want them to do it much more. The irony is, the psychologist says, is that in their affairs, these women tend to be more sexually assertive than in marriage. So that goes back to that worst fear of a husband, that actually not only are they having an affair, but having infinitely better sex with someone else. Well, I don't think it's fear of a husband. I think it's fear of anyone, well, isn't it? Well, no, well, he's talking about women. Well, I mean, God almighty, I've never heard such a generalisation in my entire <laughs> life of that. Oh, and then they go off and then they really want to have sex. It, I, I mean, I, for fear of sounding boring, is it just keeps going back to the same thing. You can go to ten different She's marriage guidance counsellors. She's not playing game with these eight categories, is she? Ten different marriage guidance counsellors, and they say, unless you are communicating with each other, unless you are able to say, listen, I'm not happy in this area, or I da-da-da, or... We could work better unless you're coming to the table of your marriage mm. with some idea of what you want, a bank pack and, and some a pencil idea and yeah, no, of I agree. what you're not getting, and you can't communicate with each other about that. Sometimes that might be a major rouse, sometimes that might have to be a letter, sometimes that might be sitting at the kitchen table with a bottle of wine or a cup of tea, whatever. If you, that's that's at the top of the pyramid, mm. right? That that's Everything else collapses around it if you can't communicate. So some, a lot of people will try and communicate through sex. They have a big argument. It's like, well, you know, we have to have sex to make up. But not everybody works like that. But I mean, so I, I don't want to have sex when I've had an argument. So what do you think the solution is? Do you think many relationships hit the rocks because many people haven't got the art, skill, experience, or have been not been shown the... The, the it's quite complicated, the ability to communicate. Because, I mean, we had to go through a lot of shit to get to a place where we could even be inclined towards the work that's required to stay married or to stay together. You know, couples counselling, we talked about it a lot. I don't want to go there again. But, you know, for, I, my, I, I sort of stop when I think about relationships between people who either haven't had the luxury of couples counselling or just haven't had the language, don't even know that there's the possibility of going round approaching this in a different Listen, way. I, I talk to people all really, the time when they're, in, they're happy in a relationship and I say, what do you want? Mm. And they don't know. See, wow. the thing is, unless you know what you want, you can't ask for it. You can't even dream for it. Ask me what I want. No. Because I can't think of it. I'm just sending my um, brain, you know, my brain. And I do think, uh, I, I do think it's a skill. We use the word skill. I mm. think it's a skill I think it's an ongoing learning, and some people just naturally have it. I don't think we naturally had it as a married couple at all. No. I think we still really struggle with it. I think we have to, and that's also because we're quite similar in the way that we communicate. So we still really struggle with communicating. We'll often avoid talking about stuff just because we know it will end in a blow up, and it's just like you get a bit weary and you think, oh, well, I'll just, I just won't say anything. Stand a minute ago. You know, and I think I think a lot of people that will resonate with it are just, oh, I just won't say anything. It's easy. I'll let it pass and I just won't say anything. And I think because it takes a lot of courage to be able to say to another person, I'm feeling this or I'm feeling One that. of the things I think most couples need to do, and I, I think this is something that I still get really, you know, if there's one, if there's one thing that kind of really f riles me or fires me up, it's not... It's not that you're proven right. It's not that you have seen through something I'm saying and, and you can see where I'm wrong. It's not the fact that I'm wrong. It's not the fact that I need to say sorry. It's not the fact that I'm right. It's whatever. It's none of those things. It's when, it's when an assumption has been made 
that that must be what I'm saying or must be what I mean or must be where I'm coming from simply because there's an example of that in the past. Because for me, surely the progress of a relationship is about trusting and accepting that change and adjustment to to how one deals with things will come gradually, but will come. So an example could be that I do want to talk to you about something. You don't want to talk to me about it because you're worried that I'm going to be this or I'm going to be that. That makes me feel suddenly a bit, oh, I don't want to be at all like that. And then suddenly I can say anything at some point within the conversation and you say, ah, there we go. And it's the, ah, there we go thing that drives me. And I do it. I do it with you. Ah, there we go. She's done that again. And actually, like you often say to me, Mark, you've written the script. Well, you write the script just as much as I write the script. And I think sometimes it's really hard. I'm just talking as an example, just to give it a bit of a personal context. I find it really hard sometimes that I'm the, I feel like I'm the most predictable one in our rows or our disagreements or when we're trying to sort stuff out. I feel like I'm always the one that, you know, oh, this is what he always says. This is what he always does. Whereas actually quite often I'm not. I'm actually trying to shift my position on something or come at it in a slightly more progressive fashion or be a bit different and all those kinds of things. Whereas I think I don't get the chance to say to you, I suppose, actually, you're coming from the same place a lot on this and this is really reductive or this is really frustrating or this is really, actually, I'm not, I'm, that's not what I'm going to be like. If you didn't project that on me, I won't be like that too. Yeah, I mean, that is the funny thing about marriage because verbatim, I could say exactly the same about Mark. Yeah, but my point is you do <laughs> and I a think, lot. And I think that everybody, this is the problem is like, I do say to Mark a lot, it's just like sometimes I just stop halfway through speaking because you've already written it. So you'll go, oh, I know you're going to, this is what you're going to say. It's like, I'm not even, I wasn't even thinking in that or, or what you're thinking. And I think that there isn't a relationship on the planet that doesn't do that. And I think that we also can give ourselves a break as, as humans for that. Because when you've lived with somebody 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 25 years, there is going to be a certain amount of that where you go, oh, here we go. At what point <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen now. I suppose the worry I always find, because I mean, obviously for both of us, we're in a 19 year marriage, which is completely new territory for both of us. At what point could that just become like one day you wake up? I always think this is how it's going to happen. One day you or I wake up and go, oh, I can't do that can't anymore. Can't anymore. do it. Yeah, because it does happen to people. Oh, fucking <laughs> hell. Jesus. What's the next one? We're, <laughs> wait on a minute. <laughs> Fear of intimacy. Uh, an affair can be a way of sabotaging a safe relationship. If someone secretly fears emotional closeness or commitment because it makes them feel vulnerable, they may create a situation that makes the partner more inclined to, just, to, to do just that. I think this is about, you know, love avoidant, isn't it? Is yeah. this about not... I think I related to parts of this about why I would dally and, and head off was because I didn't, you know, I want to sabotage a safe relationship because I, I anyway. didn't think it was going to be yeah. safe enough or how long could... Oh, well, the very thing I was just saying, hey, clearly it's not going to be safe after 19 years. She's going to wake up tomorrow morning and it's going to be over. But you've said something similar to that to almost every day for 19 years. <laughs> Oh, right, okay. So is this Always it? think we're on the edge of it. Well, maybe that makes me maybe try Maybe you and... should just yeah, stop but the, saying no, that now. Because at the point that you rest on your laurels, that's when the juggernaut comes in from the side and takes the front of your car off and your nose. 
Okay, late rebellion is number If you were unable to express <laughs> anger or rebel, oh, this is interesting. If you were unable to express anger or rebel when you were growing up, having an affair can be an immature way of showing strong oh, emotions. Oh God, absolutely! I, I think there's that. an awful lot of immaturity in affairs. Yeah, no, I did yeah. that, but I know that my my behaviour in my twenties was a sort of a sort of tear through the kind of atmosphere, a, a tear of fury through the atmosphere of I lived a really boring teenage life. I want it now. Mm. I remember feeling almost incandescent. I think I drank on that as well. I think that was probably the, the, the pour me, pour me a drink moment. At, at the I, I really related to that one too, actually, guys. You'd be pleased to know. A cry for help. It can be the one cheating is punishing their, that the, the one cheating is punishing their partner. An affair can be a toxic way of bringing an intolerable state of distance to an end or of trying to regain control if, if it's someone who feels unheard by their partner. I can imagine that. If somebody's like, you know, hardly looking at you when you walk into a room. And right. And isn't bothering with themselves. And, and it's horrible to you. You could see why, or not even not even just necessarily horrible, but just complacent, just yeah. like doesn't even notice you. And you could see, you know, people need attention. People need to feel that they're important and yeah. that they're attractive and all of that stuff. So I do think if somebody is being totally taken for granted... That is a real danger in a relationship. Yeah. It really is because if you know if the boredom is set in and the lack of attention and no sex and what well, I mean, of course that's going to cause problems. No amount of doing or changing the dishwasher is going to resolve that problem. That Emotional immaturity. This made me laugh. This one. It's kind of an obvious one. Emotional immaturity cause for cheating. Uh, incorporates self-awareness, empathy and communication. Emotional maturity incorporates those things, all of which are lacking when you cheat. Self-awareness, empathy and communication. An affair is an emotionally immature way of acting out your discontent. Mm. People say, actually, I just wanted to get my leg over and that merely shows how unaware they are. It's a passive-aggressive way of expressing anger within the relationship. Well, but again, but we go back to intimacy there, yes. communication and connection. She's going to keep saying the those kind words. The person that does that is not interested. It's like the other day on Love Island, one of the guys went, well, I could have any of them. They're all gorgeous. Yes. And you just think, oh my please, God. God, never get married. Yeah. Never get married no. because actually, oh, they're all interchangeable. They're yes, all good-looking. just interchange. I'm not looking to connect with any of these people. I don't care who they are. Mm. I care about having sex with them, you mm. know, so... Well, yeah, emotional immaturity, though. I mean, how do you define it? You know, it's, it's kind of hard, isn't it? Well, I, I, I mean, being sympathetic, there are some people that haven't been brought up in a way Well, that to goes understand. back to the category of person yeah. I'm talking about who just hasn't been shown yeah. away. Yeah. But if I mean, you I are wasn't somebody shown that away. has I wasn't been shown away, away and you're with... Well... And I've know. had to stumble my way to finding a way. Really? I mean, I wasn't well, shown yeah, away I mean, to be fair, you are much younger than me. And you are, you know, obviously you are far more educated than me and academically yeah but my role model was but, just but emotionally your emotional not mm. intelligence because you do have emotional check but your emotional maturity was rock bottom yeah, when I met you Re yeah. I mean really like yeah. 12 year old stupid I was stupid but guys. some men never even grow out of that well, some women as well. Oh, my God. God. I can just see the hammering underneath this for my no, generalisation. Low confidence. Low confidence. <laughs> the final one is low confidence. I love confidence. a generalisation. <laughs> yeah, the final one is if we didn't have generalisations, we wouldn't talk. Where would talk. we be? <laughs> uh, last reason is low confidence. Often you want to prove to yourself that you're better than the person your lover is married to. Dare I say it, I've seen this a lot with women. Uh, they can describe in gory detail the awfulness of their lover's wife. I once said to a client, I wish you had as much awareness about yourself. They often want to understand why he won't leave her. The affair is an ego boost. So this is about women or 
principally in this having an affair. Very confused. Very confused. But that there is about. Well, they should have as much introspection as they are looking at the woman that's had the affair with. It's a very sexist. This is a very sexist list. Who is this guy? Let's find out. As and as told to Anna Max. Oh no, that's the journalist. Is it the journalist Anna Maxted? Anyway, well, this is in. This is this is in the uh, the Times, that reputable publication. But anyway, dangerous liaisons. The eight reasons people have affairs. Are there any reasons we haven't covered? I think Alcoholism, people, I think, addiction, no, addiction. I, uh, addiction, and I think addiction. people get together with the wrong people. Right. I think sometimes people can be swept up with the idea of being in love and what marriage is, and not the reality of it, which right. is a lot of hard work. And that's why it's wonderful that we have divorce. Think of the days when there was no divorce. Right. You know, because True. if you think how difficult it is to match somebody, mm. I'm amazed anybody stays together. Do you need to be sick? No. Well, because I'll just run and get a bucket quickly and hold your head whilst changing the dishwasher. Buy you some flowers? Another reason for you divorce. You want to go for a meal? Silly arse. <laughs>